everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Keeping Them Safe. I want to take a minute to thank those of you that are regularly listening and who are taking this seriously and beginning to really engage with these um, new views that I am providing um, in our conversations. I really want to thank you for joining the effort to create safe environments and to protect children from sexual predators everywhere in life. It really is a community job. You know, there's a book published by a first lady, a past first lady of of the United States entitled, It Takes a Village. And whether you agree with whatever she had to say or not, it does take a village to create a safe environment. It does take all of us together working to promote these concepts, to notice the people engaged in our environment in a way that helps us interrupt and intervene in situations that could be risky and to monitor the programs and the people that are engaged with our children in such a way that we are actively engaged in stopping the potential for sexual abuse in all the environments in which we live and work. In our last episode, we talked about what the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child provided for us as a guideline or a context for creating policies, procedures, establishing organizational structures that help us work together as staff, employees, volunteers, teachers, administrators, to keep safe environments everywhere. Well, I want to take that a little bit further, and I want to look this week as what is it take to actually monitor programs. So now we've created a safer environment. We have policies and procedures and practices in place that allow us to ensure to the best of our ability that children are safe when they are working or playing or engaged in learning in an environment that we are part of. Now we want to start to look at how do we then deal with other kinds of situations. So I um, want to talk to a little bit today about monitoring others' programs too. Now, there was a recent situation that occurred in an organization that I'm familiar with that reminds us that the need for monitoring programs goes beyond the programs and events that are sponsored directly by our school or organization or our church. The director of one of the programs in that particular environment and her team were preparing classrooms for the start of the fall program. And behind a shelf in one of the classrooms, she found a note folded up. The note told the story of a disturbing situation that apparently occurred at the facility sometime in the recent past. It had been a couple of months since there were programs there, so it was in the recent past, but not the immediate past. Now, the problem is there weren't enough details to determine the full story. So she passed the note on to the person in her organization accountable for the safe environment. And she asked that person to follow up with and find out more about what happened. Now, It happens that the woman who wrote the note put her name on it and left it at the facility. 
So that person on staff that was accountable for the safe environment was left with concerns that now need to be addressed by the organization. She knew the woman's name, but she had no idea who the woman was, how to reach her, because the woman was not a part of the organization and her children weren't there. So let me explain to you what happened. It turned out when they discovered the nuts and bolts of it, that a The previous spring, a couple of months earlier, a conscientious motorist who was heading home from work one evening noticed a young boy walking alone down a major thoroughfare near the organization, near the facility. She was concerned that when she and other cars went by, the young man seemed to duck behind a tree or a car to hide. He seemed to be really young and fearful. So she decided to stop and see if he needed help. The young boy said he was walking home from the facility um, where the note was found. He said that his grandmother was supposed to pick him up, but sometimes she had other things to do, and so sometimes she just didn't show up. This was one of those times, and this seven-year-old Cub Scout was on his way walking down a busy street, committed and trying to get home before dark. The motorist offered him a ride, and he accepted. Now, the fact is, he's very lucky that she was a person of integrity, a good person. And what she did was took him back to the facility to see if there was someone there who could help him get home. But by that time, the scout leaders were gone. And the couple who remained there didn't know this boy or where he lived. So then the motorist decided to take the boy home herself. And she wrote a note letting the organization know what happened and that she had real concerns about the home life of this little boy. Now, she left that note on a stack of chairs because she had no place else to leave it and had no no idea what to do. So then she took the boy home, but mm, he wouldn't let her take him to his house. He insisted that she drop him off at the corner and let him walk home from there. Now, when the person accountable for the safe environment at the facility spoke to this woman, She discovered that this situation had weighed heavily on this motorist's mind since it happened, and she was absolutely thrilled to get a call from the facility. See, she wanted to make sure that this young boy got the help that he might have needed, and she had a big concern about that. Monitoring all programs, which is a key element of creating safe environments, is to monitor the programs. We've talked about that several times. Monitor how the programs are structured. Monitor how they're being operated. Monitoring the the, uh, environment in which they're being created. And monitoring the content. So monitoring the programs recommends a lot of actions, several actions for us to take to assure that the programs that are offered and the programs we support have adequate adult supervision, 
and that those participating in the programs have been trained in child protection and child safety programs. Monitoring programs also assures that those participating in the programs know and follow the organization's policies and procedures for creating and establishing and promoting safe environments. However, as this situation reminds us, the programs sponsored by an organization are not the only programs that utilize facilities. You know, programs such as scouting and 12-step programs for young people and teens and community basketball or soccer programs are just a few examples of other programs that might be using facilities at times when no one from the organization is present. I know in uh, when I was working to promote creating safe environments in the, in the uh, Archdiocese of Boston, um, I was very often doing programs and presentations in Catholic schools on the weekends for people in that area. And um, one of the things I discovered was that in many of the smaller towns or smaller communities around uh, the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Boston, um, the only gymnasium for school activities is in the Catholic school. So all of those schools were using the Catholic kids' uh, gymnasium for basketball and soccer and volleyball, all of those things. And the facilities were finding it very challenging to get those organizations that were borrowing, if you will, the facilities to follow the same guidelines they had. But it's critical. When other programs are using your facilities, they've got to be trained. They've got to be trained in safe environment programs that are required by your facility. They've got to train not only their staff that uses those facilities, but their volunteers and their parents. They're in your facility. Um, you know, programs like Big Brothers and Big Sisters and Boy Scouts and Campfire Girls, they have training programs. And they often argue that their safe environment training is sufficient. It's not. Not a single one of those programs has the focus on prevention tools that are the central theme of what we are promoting through keeping them safe. I've read those programs. I've been to those programs. I've attended them and I've spoken to the people that developed them. Those programs focus on teaching kids to say no, run away, and tell somebody. Those programs focus on monitoring behavior in such a way that you can identify kids who may have already been abused and dealing with disclosures, teaching adults how to deal with disclosures. They also follow uh, focus on things like too deep leadership. And programs where you are not allowed to be alone with a child. Well, guess what? In Big Brothers and Big Sisters, you are alone with children. And in other organizations, there are times when that occurs. So the key element here that we're focused on is having our eye on the adult behaviors so that we can identify those adults who are at risk of harm to kids, those adults whose behavior indicates that they are a potential risk and intervening and interrupting those behaviors so that children don't get groomed 
Whether that person is intentionally grooming or whether that person's behavior conditions that child to accept that kind of behavior in a way that places them at risk. It is not sufficient that they've done their own program. They need to follow your program. They need to know what you require and demand, and if they can't comply, then they need to not use your facilities. Organizations and facilities need to create protocols and procedures that assure that any program that utilizes your facilities at any time is fully trained and developed in the program you have, in the program you recommend, in the program you promote, in the program you require of your staff, volunteers, and your faculty, if you have faculty. Organizations also must assure that anyone who's participating in or promoting those programs is fully aware of the policies and procedures for participating in activities at that facility and is reliable to comply with them. And it's a really good idea to have a drop-in practice. Make a practice of dropping in on those programs while they're operating to assure yourself that they are actually complying and that the people who are there and participating are people who have participated in the safe environment programs, that have participated in the programs and policies and practices that you have in place that fully comply in such a way that you have ensured that the children are as safe as possible in your environment. You know, monitoring programs means just that. Every single program. Safe environments for for those children and safe environments for those who participate with them, those adults who participate with them, depend on our vigilance in this effort. Again, our effort here, our work here is designed to create an environment where all children are safe, an environment where children are safe from potential predators and where we can interrupt the grooming process in a way that ensures that children live free from abuse. Our focus is on identifying adult potentially risky behaviors, intervening and interrupting those behaviors in order to create safe environments. I want to remind you one more time of another organization that has as its goal uh, a world where children can live free from abuse and can safely and confidently pursue their hopes and dreams. Um, Zero Abuse Project is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is living inside that context, that is living inside that commitment. Um, They take what is called a trauma-informed approach to education, training, prevention, and response to accomplish this goal. What that means for you and me is that the programs they develop give consideration to the fact that there's a likely victim of abuse listening in. So the programs are developed in such a way to provide information without provoking a reaction. That's what trauma-informed care means. And Zero Abuse Project is concerned and committed that their programs have that approach, 
They do, as I said, provide education, training, prevention, and response um, to abusive situations to accomplish the goal. Among their upcoming trainings and events this fall, the Center for Faith and Child Protection is offering its flagship training, Keeping Faith, on October 16th and 17th. 2023. Now, I know this is really short notice because that's only going to be in a couple of days. However, Keeping Faith is a unique online course designed to empower faith communities dealing with cases of sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, and neglect while providing details of the impact on a victim's sense of spirituality. So the program is designed to not only deal with those cases and the consequences for the community, but also to give that faith community some idea, a look at the details about the impact of sexual, physical, and emotional abuse on a victim's sense of spirituality. If this is an area of interest to you, then I invite you to learn more about this by getting on their website which is www.zeroabuseproject.org. And let me say that again, www.zeroabuseproject, all one word, no caps, .org, backslash events. Check it out. If you're interested, contact them directly and take advantage of their opportunity. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of Keeping Them Safe, a program committed to creating safe environments for children and to interrupting, intervening, and putting a stop to potentially risky adult behaviors that can either lead to adults preying on children or create environments that have conditioned the children and the adults around them to accept behavior that is risky when another person uses that environment or that opportunity to take advantage of children. Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to speaking with you the next time. If you have questions, comments, concerns, you can reach me at swdkeepingthemsafe at gmail.com. Or you can leave me a message at 918-625-6079. This is Sharon Doty, committed to empowering you to keep them safe. Mm-hmm.